Hello and welcome to another edition, the second edition of the Blogger and the Bear. Ooh, that does sound good. Uh, uh, a podcast show between myself and a good friend of mine, Brian Brown. Brian, welcome back to the show. I do have a friend potentially mocking up some cartoonish artwork for us for this. I'm hoping that I have that by the next time we do this uh, at whatever point that is. So, uh yeah, that's ex- that's exciting news. I am looking forward to any kind of cartoon uh, caricature of me that uh, someone can come up with. I, I don't think they know what like you I'm look like, so I'm very interested. Yeah, I don't think they know what you look like, so I'm very interested. Just give me a cartoon bear. That works, too. Even yeah. if it looks like a Care Bear. I care. I care a lot. I don't necessarily have a Care Bear stare where I shoot a rainbow laser from my stomach but uh i do other things with my stomach like digest so you know that's very like digest absolutely <laughs> i came into possession of one of the greatest gifts a man can really receive today uh i got a free cheeseburger was sitting at lunch was thinking like oh i'm gonna intermittent fast i First off, my day was just fucked. Like, the way this, the whole, like, my my schedule is just crazy. So last night, I'm watching Monday Night Football, right? And it's such a bad game that somewhere it had to be in, like, the late third quarter. Uh, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning gently playing in the TV in the background. I drifted off to sleep. Woke up at, like, 3 in the morning. And it's one of those those times when you wake up at three in the morning where you're not like groggy or anything, you're just like up and it's like, Oh, it's, it's 8am. And I just, at that point decided I'm not going to fight this. I'm just going to start my day. So I went through, watched a few more NFL games on game pass and did some YouTube stuff, listened to some podcasts, got to the new Mitski album, which was eh, fine. Not what I wanted it to be. Um, Went to work out, got kicked out halfway through the workout by the softball team. Uh, I hope those girls win a title. I want a ring when they do because, you know, my sacrifice helped the team get stronger, better, a little bit better every day. Absolutely. I, I do believe, believe for that I deserve a ring. So let's go win a title coach. Get a ring on this finger. Um, I went, picked up some D's breakfast, some, uh, some ba- seven pieces of bacon, two eggs scrambled, and some hash browns. Got through that, was like, okay, that was a pretty filling bre- breakfast. Sat down with my coworkers. They have their little cup bops. I was just going to sit there, chat, chit chat a little bit. Suddenly, this person walks up, they got a cheeseburger. And they say, hey, anyone want this cheeseburger? I got it, and I just don't want it. And uh, at that moment, I just knew, like, you just, that doesn't happen every day, Brian. You don't often get to a point in life where someone walks up to you and says, hey, I got an extra cheeseburger. Like, someone's got to take this off my hands. And I, I knew I, I knew I had, a, I knew I had a job to do. So I took the cheeseburger, ate the cheeseburger. It was delicious. Uh, it was an Apollo burger, so I did feel bad. I am loyal. I am loyal to the crown. But it 
wasn't awful as I remembered Apollo Burger being. It was actually a solid burger. Still, Crown Burger till I die, but it was a solid free cheeseburger. And then uh, there after, are no loyalties yeah. when it comes to free cheeseburgers. It yeah, is a no loyalty when it comes to free cheeseburger. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We just need to get out. So you answered one of my questions. I needed to know where it was from. Did you know the individual that was giving you this free cheeseburger, or are you just out there getting uh, random strangers uh, with the hookup? Yeah, it was a, a, one of the student leaders I work with, you know, college kid who ordered probably something they didn't want and were about to throw it away and came and put it up for grabs. And I just, I was like, yeah, I'll take the free cheeseburger. Free cheeseburgers are never free. There's always a consequence to it. And I think you uh, may have paid the price for it afterwards. Uh, the enjoyment of a cheeseburger always comes with uh, the consequence of having to digest said unbelievable uh, culinary accomplishment. So uh, I can understand if maybe we aren't as sharp as we typically are on here. Uh, if we're suffering from the, the itis a little bit um congratulations to you on your potential softball championship ring very proud here, uh, on blogger and the bear and uh more so i don't know which one i would value higher a a, a well-earned championship ring from sacrificing uh whatever it was that you sacrificed i don't know if we ever covered workout that. time workout right. time workout time at, at your place of employment versus a free cheeseburger but i have to be honest if if i could take one or the other right now, I'd probably go with a cheeseburger. But, and here's the thing, man. I don't think that you yeah, have I'd to take divide the cheeseburger your loyalties. Too. I don't think you have to divide your loyalties amongst Apollo and... and no, uh, Apollo Burger. Okay, burger. Let, uh, listen. Okay. First off, I got to say this. No disrespect to the free cheeseburger I ate because it was good. But dude, please yeah. stop kidding yourself. Apollo Burger is garbage. Just garbage food. Garbage organization has made me sick every time I've eaten it. And this one hasn't made me as sick quite yet, but it could be coming. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, no, dude, please. I'm not going to give them any flowers. Apollo Burger is garbage, and I would not recommend anyone eat there. Go give your money to like an Astro Burger or a Crown Burger or, or, or something like that and, and, and have your fun that way. But no, Apollo Burger is garbage. The fact that they have that prominent location right downtown, right there on that prime real estate of, of Main Street and kind of 400 South, they've, they've got that corner store right there. I hate it. I hate it every time I see it because that, that spot should be taken up by a good burger place like a like a Crown Burger. And uh, it's, it's just not. The Crown Burger has to have their spot on 200 South, right, uh, right above Twilight Lounge. Not, nothing quite like a little you get the you get the crown burger right as they close you head to twilight lounge you get your cash from the atm you have a few vodka lemonades maybe a beer or two and then you just go outside in the crisp fall air and you enjoy a slightly cold crown burger oh nothing better than that a, a slight slightly slightly room temperature cheeseburger oh nothing better than that nothing better the hipster is just gushing out of you right now Nothing better than that. Maybe a cigarette Twilight if you're Lounge, feeling really good. Burger. <laughs> Lordy. 
Where am I? Maybe a cigarette if you're feeling extra indie. <laughs> yes. You know, pack American spirits to 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 really top it all off for everyone out there. Uh I, I would have to imagine the majority of the listening audience is not super wise to what type of cigarettes hipster people smoke, but uh hey, now you've learned something and and learning, you know, knowledge is half the battle. So thanks to our friends yeah. of G.I. Joe. You know, I'm not a smoker, never have been. Only I, I I'd say on average I smoke five cigarettes a year. Uh but I will say I have bought cigarettes before and I've just decided I'm loyal to the brand. I'm a Marlboro man. I'm a Marlboro red man. But again, I don't I don't smoke any cigarettes. I actually believe I have a pack of unsmoked Marlboro Reds sitting in my desk. Uh, I'm pretty positive that I do actually. I don't know why, but sometimes they're there. They're there. there. And if I really wanted them, I could, but I have no interest because smoking's bad for you and will will slowly kill you. So I, uh, I, I tend to, I tend to stay away, but I would say on average five cigarettes per year. What about you? Uh, not a smoker, uh, no brand loyalty. I will say this in my time as a pseudo roadie slash setup takedown guy for a few touring bands uh i did buy a variety of packs of cigarettes and got to the point where i almost always had one at the ready uh just to make sure the venue was prepared uh that was a very different life uh i am now smoke free my vice is quench gum as we've so many times mentioned on this podcast and uh you know i'm just gonna chew my way to to whatever it is that 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 uh, delicious squirty electrolyte sports gum is is going to uh, saddle me with because everybody has a vice, no matter what, whether it's cheeseburgers, Diet Coke, doesn't matter. We all got one. Uh, I have a question for you though. Hmm. Does Lamar Jackson have a vice? Is Ooh, it playing Lamar, good football? Lamar Jackson's pretty saucy right now. He was the guy I was watching at three a.m. Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes you gotta watch a guy at three a.m. and 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 that that'll get you hot and bothered. So like you know, I I I I'm a fan of of every almost everything Lamar Jackson does, and uh, I thought he I thought he looked in, incredibly solid on Sunday. I don't like how you're steering this towards football. We were having a good discussion about cigarettes and and and, and I was and, having and, content, man. <laughs> you were gonna switch to vape pens and then I was gonna be real lost. Like vape pens are like I don't even cigarettes. No, I don't want to put it out there like I'm some degenerate smoker. No, I'm like I, I understand it's unhealthy for you. But like every once in a while I hang around people that like Smoke we're not talking bit. about daily two packers here. We're, what we're talking about is a little slice of Americana, a little, a little slice of, the, of Americana. A little, yeah, Eric gets nah, a, little a little too drunk and has one cigarette. Like that's, buddy, that's that's typically how it goes. If you if you've never been a little too drunk and put down a few darts, then uh, you're likely from Salt Lake City, Utah, and or non practicing in the art of of inebriation. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that when you go to Europe are absolutely stunned how much they smoke over there um oh yeah so it's, that's you know, crazy the, the culture is very different around especially in the area where we live you just don't see a lot of smoking unless you're out in certain areas out and about uh the, the bar scene and the particular bar that you mentioned uh the best 
best content idea I ever came up with. Uh, and I, to this day, hope that I get an opportunity to do it is uh, I wanted to go downtown with the legend uh, Gov Spenno 77 on Twitter, uh, Spencer Warren and Tom Hackett. And the three of us were just going to take random dads out for a night of debauchery in downtown SLC on a Saturday night and see what we could come up with. Uh, I don't know if that will ever happen, uh, but it would be an eye-opener, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if we would get over to Twilight Lounge or not. It is, that's dangerous territory for me. I am way out of my element there. Sign me up for debauchery. I like debauchery. Yes. Uh, you, are, you are of age for debauchery, where it is I, not only a priority, but a necessity. I, I, I am a fan of debauchery. It's been a while since I've done some debauchery. Uh, not to brag, but I do have some Friday night plans. Gonna go to little Elmenos, then gonna head downtown, maybe, maybe, maybe. But but I'm gonna go somewhere swanky. I'm gonna go to Lake Effect, I think. Those guys, by the way, that's fun to do. That's fun to do. Lake Effect, by the way, as as we talk about something, no one who is listening will will care about. But it's okay. Um, Somebody out there knows Lake Effect. I Lake, at, at the very least the tin can nachos. Lake Fe- Lake Effect. My favorite thing to do at Lake Effect is to pick a spot, a quiet spot at the end of a bar mm. and just watch them work. It is fascinating. There are absolute pros in there. They, like this watch is the bartenders. Like, yeah, like this is like the swankiest of kind of swanky cocktail bars around. And these guys are just pros. And if you watch a pro cocktail maker, pro mixologist at work, it's a thing of art. It's beautiful. As someone that likes to make drinks in their spare time occasionally, you know, it's fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's it's crazy fun to go to those, those types of... I went to a place like that had a similar vibe in L.A., but like obviously more L.A. vibe, and those guys were crazy and you get to some of these fancy places in like chicago and these bigger cities but it, it is fun to just go watch bartenders good bartenders make complicated drinks it's, it's fun to watch because they do it fast and they do it really precisely and it's it's, it's art it really is so I, i'm a big fan of that uh we could debate the best place for an artful cocktail i think for a while uh it sounds like lake effect would be your spot i for those who are, uh, again, of the lifestyle, you prefer to imbibe, I my two suggest three suggestions would be uh, Water Witch downtown. Never been there. Okay. Go to yep. check that no, out. I know you haven't because uh, you're you're clued into the lake effect, which is a rarity for Salt Lake. It's, it's a more swanky, upper crust type uh, bar. Um, I see a lot of trendy people going there. Um, I I like Water Witch and uh Acme Bar Company and Sugar House is another one. The former Campfire Lounge for those who know. Um, so yeah, it's uh those are two that I would recommend, and then a sneaky good place to go get a cocktail that you would likely never think of is Lucky Thirteen. Hmm. Someone who, again, in a, in a former life, was a doorman at Lucky 13 for, uh, I believe, about six months, give or take. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm so defeated right now. It looks like. What's happening? Uh, 
Oh, this is a problem. Oh, no. Uh, Lake. Oh, no. Okay. It's on the wrong menu. Uh, for a second there, I thought that, uh, the, uh, the tin, the famous tin can nachos had gone away at, at Lake Effect, but they are still there. I just, it was on the El Menos. I have, I have never had the tin can nachos. Can you describe those to me? Uh, cheddar cheese, black beans, pickled jalapenos, tomato salsa, verde, scallions, guacamole, sour cream, sour cream, not cream, uh, and either one of the following steak, chicken, bison, chili, or chipotle prepared in a upside down tin can and then removed uh, as such. Actually, like a bucket almost looking thing. So is it like. OK, well, OK, OK, we, we can talk about nachos now. Yeah. Is it like a cheese sauce or is it actual melted cheese? Oh, no, it's cheddar cheese. It This is this is a legitimate. This is no, okay. and I'm not one to criticize a nacho cheese. Uh, just because it's nacho cheese doesn't mean you can't eat it. Um, uh, no, it's this is legitimate cheddar cheese. These are this is almost like twenty dollar plate of nachos because it comes in a can, layered, artfully layered. It is everything that it is cracked up to be. And so, anytime anybody says, uh, I, I'm not knocking on porcupine nachos they're great uh but i would also put the tin can nachos down at lake effect up there with some of the greats as well and hey. if they did throw in like a queso sauce i would not hate it you think that serves too oh yeah oh it's an entire tin can full of nachos bro i mean i know that you're a healthy eater but even wait t- a tin can okay hold on well, not you say tin You're can. Younger, I think like they a... used to have these things called coffee cans that were like this size but taller. Okay, mm-hmm. I hold up my my bucket of quench gum. I don't know why it's still on my desk. I'm not really chewing that much gum, uh, but it's about that tall and that wide around. I mean, it's a lot of nacho. Okay, that's something you can look to it up on the internet too. We'll see how we'll see how El Menos goes because that's that's actually some pretty quality uh Mexican food. I haven't uh, visited there yet, but it looks delicious. It is quite good. A friend of mine put me onto it. So uh hopefully that'll right up your good. right up your hipster alley. It's not really hipster, it's more like just classic home style like Mexican food. Yeah, off the beaten path, not as known about, right? Like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, those are the places where you find the gems, you know. And you gotta you gotta get off the beaten path sometimes. All right, college football or pro football or any type of football really. Uh did you have an icebreaker? That was a pretty good icebreaker there, but we can you know, I did ask you to come with an icebreaker. I don't wanna leave you you grasping for straws. Uh we can do an icebreaker, but um I, I don't I feel like we kinda went through it with uh my icebreaker is, is what is the, if you had to pick a bar for both of us to be our home bar, which one would you pick? Home bar. Hmm. It's difficult. I feel so, like yours would be the more challenging one for me. Yeah. So I'm kind of just in the suburbs. So it like, it's, 
it's difficult because every place I really, really like that I would go to a lot is downtown. And just getting to a bar downtown is difficult because obviously you can't really drive. Ubers downtown are kind of expensive. And if you go downtown, you can't just go downtown for a drink and come back. You kind of got to make a whole night out of it. Bar tabs. Bar tabs. Yeah. Uh, I would say right now, my personal home bar would be like Brickyard, although I don't like the vibe. Like it's not it's not young and hip enough for me. Um, but it is a good, it's a, it's a solid sports bar with a solid menu and decent drinks, although not the best in the world. Uh, so I'd say that's my home bar, but if I had to pick for you, what part of the city are you in these days, Brian? Uh, not far, uh, not far from where I've always been. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Sugar House, Canyon Rim area. Sugar House, Canyon Rim. Okay. Sugar House. 33rd South is is the uh so are you a beer guy or beer guy or no? Oh, I no, not anymore. I think in my heyday I would have been fine drinking a beer. Uh nowadays. So I I, I don't really drink uh anymore like I, I used to and or or any less. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I, I think in, in terms of going out to a spot, I was always just something casual in my glass, uh, mixed drink wise. I never had a set drink. And I think most people who are legitimate drinkers would make fun of the fact that I often ordered like a whiskey soda or whiskey sour. That was kind of it. Um, it's good yeah, to have a... here, I, I, if, if I do have a drink nowadays, it's usually a seltzer. Well, I got to pick somewhere with a great menu for you, obviously. So, like, that's that's kind of that's kind of a, a a cheat code. I I would say Wasatch. Like Wasatch is more is like, eh, like kind of a bar, kind of not. It's like one of these weird in between like beer house type things. Uh, it is a brew pub, and you know they've got a really vast and solid menu. Did you know they have a poke bowl there? It's absolutely delicious, by the way. Very solid. They've got good pizza. The pizza there is good. You know, solid, you know, bar food a little bit. If you want to go something a little more classic, they have some good pasta dishes. So I feel like that would be a good one for you. Menu is very important to me in my in my, uh, in my my uh, bar going experience. I do like fancy and, and cool cocktails, but I also like really good food. So... Um, menu food menu is important you, it can't be it can't be anything too grungy like i i gotta i gotta like the food menu sugar house uh right there on the corner of 21st and uh i think it's 11th east that wasatch sits on that's a good choice uh i have uh, their brunch is is terrific i've enjoyed their brunch a lot. I've never been there in terms of like having a neighborhood bar. My favorite bar of all time was just down the street from that. And uh, I don't know if you were around and attending bars when the uh, the shack in, well, officially called the bar and sugar house, but we called it the sugar shack or the shack. But there was a ski lodge looking type thing in sugar house that was a beer only bar. 
and that might be uh, the best bar. <laughs> if you're really going through the history of, of bars, Portocol, and anybody who's of, of a certain age will nod. And, and when you mentioned Portocol, um, that was kind of the spot. <clears throat> but uh, the bar in Sugar House, a.k.a. the Shack, that was my favorite spot. And it was a beer-only bar. You had eight beers on tap. Uh, you got a little pint glass, and you could do something called walking the line where you get one of each little pint glasses and uh i miss i miss that bar desperately the best part about it was right across the street from fats grill and pool hall so you could go get the food and the drinks and everything else that you're talking about while also you know having a very uh grungy hole in the wall type bar to go hang out in so the other thing too is i think with bars you mentioned like you like the atmosphere and and i think for you, it's more like an experience, you know, and, and having a good food menu and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, a bar is is so much about like just finding a hole in the wall place where you just kind of hide out and hang out with you know, the randos, the the bar flies as they will. So, very interesting dynamic. Am I supposed to choose what bar I would pick for you now? I thought that was the point of this. You you yeah. came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't tell you. It's your uh, icebreaker. <laughs> given given everything that i've heard um i actually think that you would really like water Witch. that would be the kind of bar where i would send you towards okay let me water Witch, this up on google water Witch is in a great area right on ninth uh right next to central ninth market right next to scion cider bar free advertising for all of them very upscale classy place um water witch bar let's see okay 22 james beard award semifinals okay i don't know what that is but solid some of the best cocktails i've ever had uh i think the this does look like a very impressive cocktail menu yeah and i think a lot of the attending folk would be of your your vibe so the patrons there very much so. Uh, recently attended by Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox after the Fanex show. So that gives you kind of an idea of what kind of place it, it opens up to. That would be my selection for you. So I hope one of these days either you and I can go down to Waterwitch or you get down to Waterwitch so you can experience it. But some of the best people, great cocktails. Uh, the service is incredible and a great location as well. The best part about Water Witch is you can usually go over and get food Friday, Saturday, or Sunday from Central 9th. They do pizza on Sundays, Saturdays, shawarma. Uh, Friday, I think, is a fish fry. So you get great food at Central 9th, and then you go get great drinks at Water Witch. I got to figure out, I figure this out. So this isn't in like the heart of downtown. It's definitely not, right? Ninth East or uh, Ninth South. Ninth South and about, I think, West Temple ish area. Okay. Yeah, so if you've ever been to Snowmobile Pizza, it's right across the street from Snowmobile Pizza. Never been to Snowmobile Pizza. Yeah, I'm no. just trying to look for. Okay, so it's kind of in the Granary District. Just outside of it. Just outside of it. Yeah. Okay, how's the parking? Parking is a big enemy of mine. Better now that they finished all the road construction down there. Okay. Before then, it was a little, little iffy. Uh. Maybe not so much a neighborhood spot for you. 
I think where your your problem is is where you work and where you live gives you a real conundrum in terms of places you could go. If, like, nothing. Thinking, yeah. yeah. There's nothing. There's uh, just absolutely like there's a bar named Sue. A bar named Sue's pretty close. Yeah. The, I do like a bar named Sue, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it it is. There's Barbary Coast on State Street, which I would love to see you in Barbary Coast. <laughs> not not as not as a regular patron, but just one time. Yeah the the one thing I will say here is I their their liquor menu is is definitely big but do they only do like their classic kind of five it looks like they only have like five cocktails at a time at water witch yeah oh no no or am i looking at this wrong yeah there are plenty of options in terms of cocktails they have so if you're looking at the website that's just like the the special cocktails got there plenty of rotating cocktails uh have you ever had a montucky uh can you describe it probably not a beer, Montucky cold snack. No, never seen, never had that. Describe it. Uh, in in terms of like taste, uh, ingredients. Um, it's kind of like if a uh, if if Pabst Blue Ribbon was made with high end ingredients and then also had uh, like a, a purpose, meaning you know, like donating money to charity type thing behind it. Got it. Yeah. That sounds honestly, Brian, like something I would hate. Uh, one thing about me—I don't me, know your beer preferences, but I absolutely. One thing about me, Brian, I hate beer. Oh my god, I hate beer. No, I hate beer. Real. I hate beer so much. Like there are a few beer, like I, I kind of like some of the Mexican stuff. Like if I have to drink something, give me like a Dos Equis or a Corona or something like that, or a Pacifico. But I hate beer. Uh, I will never choose beer first. Uh. I just, I don't like it. My parents love it. They, my parents drink a ton of beer. There's always a lot of beer around the house. And I do taste test it from time to time just to make sure it's still beer, but it's almost always still beer. I, I just don't, I, I don't like it. I don't like beer. That's one thing about me. Just don't like beer. But I'm, I'm more of a, more of a liquor slash cocktail guy. Personally. Oh, to be younger. Ah, uh, to be younger, indeed. Okay. If, if we can't go water, which I might say Acme Bar Company, that would be another one. If there was like something along, there's another place right across the street from Bar Name Sue called Cruisers, which I actually think you would enjoy Cruisers from a uh, a community perspective, but it's definitely not your kind of bar. Um, if you like high-end cocktails i'm i'm sticking with water witch and and acme those are the two that i would i would i would say closest within your wheelhouse okay well i'm gonna tell you this you've got me intrigued enough that that's where i'm gonna go check out i might ditch lake effect and uh and go check out water witch lake effect Um, is a much bigger scene i don't i don't want to mislead you in terms of you're gonna see a lot of uh attractive people at Lake Effect. It's going to be well-populated, especially on the weekends. Um, you're not wrong about the fact that they can flip a cocktail. Uh, and their mixologists are, are pretty impressive. Their bartenders are good. Um, Water Witch is more of like if 
Lake Effect became more of a hipster bar, not a hipster bar, uh, more communal, right? Like more community oriented to where it was a specific community and not just kind of a hot buzzy spot. But there's a lot of Lake Effect-esque type places downtown now, uh, White House, uh, Whiskey Street. Um, I'm trying to think of a new joint that everybody uh franklin ave that's a big one barley's you ever been to barley's there's we could go through this i'm surprised that uh you you're not a bar x guy too that's another big bar x is solid uh the the cocktail menu is not as big there as i'd like it to be but I think the 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 combined joint of bar X slash beer bar is a perfectly fine place to go get a few drinks. Uh, especially the fact that they're connected, so you can get the cocktails in the cocktail bar, and then if you want to stay in that ambiance, you can. But if you want to, you can take the cocktails over to beer bar, which is more of like a sports bar, really, honestly. And uh, it it I I I do appreciate that a lot. So, um, so it's, it's, it's definitely one that's in the repertoire, but again, I just don't, I lived down, I, I, I did a lot of that stuff about three summers ago when I lived downtown for a stint, but without living down there, it's just so, it's difficult. It's expensive and it's difficult, uh, to, to make it work. But I, uh, my, my typical bar strategy is to uh is to make an, a whole night of it and go to multiple bars because I just get an Uber and then walk around downtown because downtown is eminently walkable. All right. I think we can get to football now. This was fun though. This was good. This was good bar good bar chat. Uh okay. College football. I want to bring this to you, Brian. Is this chaos week? Mm. Is this chaos week in college football? This week? Because, yes. Because not a ton of like super sexy ranked matchups. But some interesting things to keep an eye on. Let me give you just a chaos meter. For, for some of these. And, and you, you tell me if I'm crazy here or not. I mean, you're crazy, but not because of what you're about to tell me. Oklahoma, Texas. We have not seen Dylan Gabriel play a real defense yet. But he has bowled out this year. He's already at 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. The offense looks good. Can they outshoot out Texas? So your your theory is that Oklahoma Texas is going to be a shootout. Yes, okay. that is my theory. My my answer to that question is that if it becomes a shootout, then Oklahoma becomes a problem because the best strength that Oklahoma has right now, in my opinion is the play of their defense. And while Dylan Gabriel is capable of hanging neck to neck, and maybe even being a little bit better uh, of a player than, than Quinn Ewers in terms of 
evolutionary quarterback ability. Uh, uh, so meaning his floor is higher right now than, than yours, but I think yours ceiling is higher. Um, I don't think that Oklahoma has the skilled players potentially to keep track, keep up in a track meet with Texas. And so for Oklahoma, it's going to be about getting those critical stops. And now I understand that even in a shootout, you're going to get a stop or two that are critical. Uh, I just think that the problem is that Oklahoma is going to have a harder time getting stops than, than Texas because it comes down, in my opinion, to offensive execution. And I don't know that Oklahoma can execute as a, execute offensively at as high a level as Texas can. So if that's the case, the nod goes to Texas. However, it is the Red River rivalry or whatever we call it now. Uh, and that one, anything is up for grabs. Uh, chaos ensues. It is incredible. It's one of the best games all year. I love that they play it at the fairgrounds or the Cotton Bowl right next to the fairgrounds, wherever it is. Uh, so trying to predict what's going to happen in this game is is honestly amazing because I, I guess they call it the Red River Showdown now, which boo. Red River Shootout. We mm-hmm. we are uh, we we will call it Red River Shootout because that's what it is. Yeah. So played at the old the old Cotton Bowl Stadium, um, right outside of where the uh, Texas State Fair is. So I this is I'm I like this matchup. It's a good choice in terms of you wanting to set the tone with that one. Uh, because I think that's the game that, if it does go awry, could lead to more chaos, if that makes any sense. Okay, my next game here, let's call this chaos adjacent, mm. in that it might not be chaos in the typical sense of chaos, but things that could happen in it could get slightly chaotic. And that is Maryland, Ohio State. Because I think potentially, even though it's in the horseshoe, I just think Ohio State, betting-wise, Ohio State getting 20 points is way too much. Maryland's offense has been really, really good through the first five weeks of the season. They have not played a defense of Ohio State's caliber quite yet, but I do believe that they are a talented offense and they are going to be able to score points. I just think this could be closer than people think. And I give Maryland a like slim chance of pulling an upset, but I do think this is a touchdown game. Like I, I think I think we're heading for something kind of close here. I think people are kind of I, I personally can't believe Maryland's not ranked. I know they haven't played a ton of great teams, but they they're a really good football program right now. I think you might be on what criteria. Um, based on what criteria? Well, they they've got a good quarterback, and the defense hasn't been terrible through the first five weeks. I I I, I like what I've seen from Maryland. I like what I saw last week. They 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 took care of business. Maybe I'm too bullish on this one. This could be one I'm too bullish on. I'll admit that. But I just, I just, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see if Maryland can hang. 
Uh, it's an interesting one to me. Was Maryland one of your interesting teams? In yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like you're pretty well uh, acquainted with the Terps, the Dirty Terps. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the upset that you most want to see from this weekend? If you could pick one. Let me see. Mm. No, the one I'd most want to see, and we can we can transition here, is Kentucky. <laughs> because I watched that game last week. And I don't know whether it's just Q Freeze really coaches well or George is not that good because Auburn should not be playing tight games with Georgia in the year 2023. There's a big talent gap and disparity there between those two programs. And the fact the defense just was not really able to get stops on that Auburn offense was super concerning to me and Kentucky's coming off plastering Florida and their offense looking pretty good and it's in Georgia and you figure Kirby Smart will get the guys up for this one this feels like oh maybe Georgia shows up and plays big but they haven't really done that this year they struggled with South Carolina they didn't really plaster the FCS teams and and G5 teams they played I think one thing that the the national cognoscenti just has to get out of their head is we cannot keep putting them at number one. They're not the best team in the nation. They just are not. I think it's a wide open field right now, and everyone's just giving Georgia the benefit of the doubt because they've got the two titles. But I think several teams within the top 10, I would pick over Georgia in a one-on-one matchup at, a neutral site. Let me let me pull this up for you because I I think there are several teams that could beat Georgia. I think Michigan could beat Georgia. I think Florida State could beat Georgia. I think Penn State could hang with Georgia and maybe beat Georgia. And I think Ohio State could beat Georgia. Texas, I'm not sure because I'm not sure how I feel about the defense, but. I I can pick out four or five teams that I think could beat Georgia today. And I, I just feel like uh, my greater point at large here is this season is, is, is pretty wide open. I feel like we came in thinking Georgia's going to three-peat. I am no longer here we are almost at the halfway point of the season. I don't think Georgia's going to repeat anymore. I think we're I think we're going to get a pretty competitive race for the college football playoff. Um, I would agree that that Georgia is no longer the penultimate favorite to win uh, the college football playoff. But at the same time, I don't think there's been a team out there that's really proven their hands down far and away a better uh, team. My argument against Michigan is strength of schedule. My argument against Texas is Texas. You know, Texas finds a way to beat itself more often than anybody else. 
Ohio State, I think, is the most battle-tested team in terms of who they played in, in their game against Notre Dame. Florida State, I think, has another strong rivalry. Penn State, I am not sold on the Nittany Lions. I, I don't know that defensively they are. Hmm. Penn State's interesting because I think they're running game. I like their quarterback the a lot. Yeah, Drew Aller. Uh, Drew Aller that's at Penn State, or am I misspeaking here? Yes. Yes. Drew Aller. Um, you, you're not sold by the defense. I haven't watched a ton. I know they struggled with Northwestern, but I feel like there have been signs of dominant defensive performances from them so far this year. We're going to learn a lot more about Penn State in October than we than we have any other time. I believe they play Ohio State in about two weeks. Yes, and that's always the hurdle for Penn State is is trying to get over Ohio State and Michigan in terms of uh, teams and programs that they play. Uh, Ohio State, I believe. Let me just one. Yeah, see that one's at Ohio State, and then you have Michigan at home Saturday, November eleventh. So those are the two to circle at Maryland Saturday, November fourth. That's one of those matchups that's hmm, curious. I mean. Penn State's on their first bye week right now. Uh, they come back and play Massachusetts the next week. So they've got a nice staggered schedule to ramp up to play Ohio State, who uh, coming off a bye last week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is – I've really wandered from – I think what the discourse was is, is Georgia number one. I just haven't seen a team – I'm not saying that I'm, – I'm not disagreeing with any of your picks because I think – those are all potential teams. I'm curious that you left Washington off the list and Oregon too, because those are two teams that I would maybe believe in having a, having, having a potential for upset against a Georgia team. What I do, the curious part about Georgia is, is that offense is all Brock Bowers right now. And the defense has lost a lot of guys for a few years now. It doesn't seem like there's a real star stepping up for them defensively. They play tenacious, though. I love watching Georgia play defense because they fly around. Do they give up some plays? Yep. Are they working to refine that? I believe they are. And and once they do get it figured out, I think it's going to be Georgia football like it always is. The overarching thought that this is the most open that it's ever been, I think still is very, very accurate. And we're going to love it right up until like week 12 or week 14 where – some team starts to establish themselves as the dominant team because it doesn't matter. I get, I can point at whatever Pac-12 team I want. The Pac-12 is going to eat itself alive in about two weeks here. Um, so I, I, when you mentioned, is this the most interesting week in terms of matchup? But I think it's actually next week where things get real fascinating. Yeah. You know, and you've got Oregon traveling to Washington and a few other meaty matchups on the schedule. So I, I don't know. You're going to learn a lot about Texas this week. And that'll help a lot in your out uh, your evaluation. I do think you're going to learn a lot about Georgia because Kentucky's bringing in a run game that just thrashed Florida. I don't know if that travels well. We're going to find out. But Mark Stoops is yeah, he he's making a living, and he'll be a lifetime at Kentucky going eight and four, and good for him. You know that they'll get one or two wins a year that they shouldn't, and maybe they've got enough with uh, all day Ray as he was. Coined, I believe, by 
Joe Tess was calling that game. I believe it was Joe Tessator. So, yeah, I, I, Ray Davis had, you know, I mean, he averaged, <laughs> this is disgusting, 7.8 yards per carry right now, 75-yard long, eight touchdowns. He's doing good. So that's a that's a great matchup, I think, for Georgia to find out how, how good Georgia really is because Kentucky's going to try and get it done on the ground, and Georgia's going to have to step up the plate. So overall, I think it's a great selection by you. Did you have any others? Out there that maybe you're looking at any. I mean, there's it's kind the of one late season. night. It just depends if Jaden Delora is back or not. But man, couldn't you see that Arizona USC game getting kind of messy? That 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 is one thing I would like to take a second to talk about here, because for as much as we panned Colorado when they got blown out by Oregon, I thought it was super impressive that they basically almost came back and beat USC. And I thought it really told me everything I needed to know that USC's USC's defense is still ultimately garbage, that Colorado was pretty, during that second half, kind of manhandled them up front, and the passing game really got going against them. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that game, because I thought it was a tremendous coaching job by Dion to get them back in that game, but told me more about USC's, the fact that we've now seen proof from several teams that USC's defense is just not good enough to hang with some of these high-class offenses. And maybe their offense can outshoot at everyone, but man, when they, when they have, if they, when they have to play a Washington or an Oregon, like, I could see it kind of getting ugly for him, to be honest with you, because those teams have good defenses. And, you know, I just don't. I, I, what about know. the what about the, the coaching job by Dion? Did you feel like was outstanding? Just bringing him back? I just thought hanging in that game, they, they could have been totally blown out in the second half. But they hung in. They 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 you know they stayed aggressive. You know they didn't sit back, and I thought the offensive line did play better in the second half than they did in the first half. And I think that's some credit to to coaching, whether that be Dion or someone on his staff. But Dion gets credit, obviously, he's the head coach. Well, I, the, the changes in personnel, I, I believe, would would also lean in your favor, right? Bringing Omarion Miller and uh, for Monty McLean off the bench, so to speak, and throwing a little curveball at that USC defense. Uh, night games at the Coliseum, man, I always stay away from them. especially uh, 8.30 p.m. kickoffs, and I know it's right there in that prime spot to get wild. If I'm looking for a Pac-12 after dark, it's going to be Oregon State at Cal. That's the one that I'm looking at and thinking, ooh, that one could get uh, kinky in terms of college football. Arizona at USC – Maybe Delora coming back would help. I, I think, you know, Ted McMillan is is the biggest test outside of Colorado that USC is going to see, um, on on the in terms of outstanding players. I, I think he's one of the best skill position guys in in the conference. Even though he doesn't necessarily have the numbers or uh, the attention that that some of the others do. Uh, so yeah, I, I 
it's a tall task for Arizona. That that's an improved football team. There's no doubt about it. And coach, uh, coach fish is doing a good job of building it the right way. I think there's still a few steps away. So if USC does struggle, I think then now all of a sudden it's like hit the panic button, right. For everything that you're talking about, I will give USC next, this, this coming Saturday, this Saturday game to try and get right on defense. And if they can't show anything against Arizona, then yeah, it's it's going to be a, a steep, steep fall because after Arizona, they're at Notre Dame and home for Utah, then at Cal and then Washington and Oregon. And then they finish off with UCLA. There is no let up on that schedule and they are in deep, deep trouble and it could get real ugly real fast because, you know, I speculating about Cam Rising coming back. I, you know, <laughs> whatever, but Utah on the 21st is, is going to be no easy task because Utah's defense is going to come after him. I mean, the best thing that you have going for you if you're USC is that you always have Caleb Williams, so you're going to be in every every game that you play in, but it, he, can't, he can't win every game for them if they keep playing the way that they're playing. So good pick by you. I like that one. You know which one's my, uh, my, my favorite potential upset? Give me it. Notre Dame at number 25, Louisville. I was going to bring that up potentially. Yep. Yeah, I man, think was... I think I think Notre Dame's still got the stuff, though. To be honest with you, that Duke game that took gumption to win that game, and they hung in there and they did it. They looked terrible for most of that game, and they came out and they played when they played hard when they needed to play hard. And I still think that they're insane. To me, they are the one loss team that I most likely see getting into the college football playoffs. And I think there is a solid shot, a very solid shot that they beat USC in a few weeks. I think I that they, I, I think that they are very, very good. I think Louisville's good too. I think it'll be close, but I, I, I think Notre Dame takes care of business from, from here on out. I, I don't, I don't see them. I, I don't see them losing again for a little while. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens uh, because uh, you, the, the schedule plays in their favor. I think the win over Duke was a really impressive win. I it, This is where uh, this season, as much as any, becomes really exciting to watch because there's still so much left to football left to be played and, and – like Georgia doesn't look great, but they also have just a cakewalk of a schedule. So can they sleepwalk their way into a championship game? And Notre Dame's not going to play in a conference championship game. So is that going to be enough if, say, Georgia loses in the SEC championship game? And and man, I, I there's a lot of interesting angles to to look at in terms of how the season is going to unfold and. you just know that there are going to be some teams that are going to finally get into shape, whether it's Alabama, you know, whether Michigan is able to power through what, whether Penn state really does run the gamut and starts beating some of the teams that they, they've never been able to beat before. And then in the meantime, you've got the PAC 12 out here. That's just going to beat the crap out of each other. So this is college football at its best, right? Where every single week you're looking at it and like, okay, how's the picture going to shift this time? And it, if you can predict how to do this, start, get your money, go get your money 
You know, I wish we had a FanDuel or a DraftKings. Somebody out there come sponsor the podcast uh, so that we can get these people paid because it's from week to week. And, and that's, man, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's such a – Notre Dame might be the perfect example of where NIL plays into the ability to even out in, in this modern world, right? Because Sam Hartman's a, what, 24-year-old QB? He's perfect mm-hmm. for Notre Dame, right? And because they have the ability to do that and go get a QB like him and, and manage their situation, they're in a great position to, to win out and, and beat everybody on their schedule. And is NIL powerful enough to overcome some of these, you know, like Georgia, for example, where they can't hold on to everybody because, and they're already getting top five recruiting classes, so they already have players in the program that, allegedly are good enough to get the job done. So if you're if you're at Georgia, can you keep competing with underclassmen coming up against these teams that are going out and getting NIL prospects that are more experienced, like Hartman and 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 a few others. And obviously as we get into the tail end of of the COVID years and, and those start to dissipate and you see less guys that have played five years, even though they should only have played four. Um, I think that's going to be a really curious aspect. To, but Notre Dame may be the best case scenario for for arguing against that because I don't think there's no way Georgia can't keep guys from going to the NFL, right? And if you're a good junior at Georgia, you're gone. There's yeah. no way. There's no way to stay. So I think this is kind of the first year where we're starting to see NIL scratch at what the SEC has built. And and Notre Dame's going to keep getting guys like Sam Hartman. Because that selling point is, okay, you were a pretty good P5 college football starter. You put up good numbers at a smaller school like Wake Forest. You maybe don't have NFL prospects, but you're still a good college quarterback. Why not just go be the quarterback at Notre Dame? And you understand that like being the quarterback at Notre Dame you can live off that for like a large portion of your life and make a ton of NIL money while doing it because being the quarterback at Notre Dame is a big deal. And uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you there. I wanted to talk some NFL before I let you go. Here for it. I've watched more NFL this year than I have in my life. Just for you. There are only three elite NFL teams right now. Only three. Those teams are the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the San Francisco 49ers. Does the fact that there are only three week in and week out elite NFL teams make you more or less interested in the NFL and the watchability of a product? Because I'll be honest with you, from like... An outsider's perspective, uh, if if I wasn't an NFL sicko and didn't love every team and and have interest in everything going on around the league, I don't know if I were a casual fan just watching the NFL early on if there'd be that much to latch onto because there's not there's nothing no one's doing anything super crazy right now. Super crazy in terms of like record. Super crazy in terms of like high level play week to week. 
Boy, don't say that to Dan Campbell. Okay, we can talk the Lions. You think the Lions are an elite team? I don't, but I think what they're doing is is they are building belief within themselves, and and they are proving that their proof of that their idea, their IP, right, uh, that that what they were believing in all along is right. And I think there's there's a few teams that have done deviated from the norm, right? So. Houston, for example, traded away all those draft picks to go get the guys that they wanted. And all of a sudden, they're sitting there at two and two, and they look like they got a dude in CJ Stroud, but it's not just Stroud, right? Like Will Anderson is playing well for them. Uh, they have a, a bevy of rookies that are playing well and, and a young team that looks like it has some potential for development. You know, I think. Um, you know, Damian Pierce is a nice running back. I like I like Pierce a lot. I think Nico Collins as a wide receiver is is really starting to be impressive. And uh they have some some tight end pieces there that I think are unique and interesting too. Uh you know, Tank Dell's kind of a nice, nice guy, nice got he got that niceness. Um you know, they've done some good things in terms of how they've built that roster. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think for me, and I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong person to ask this, right? Because I always, you, you got me pegged. I do like to challenge the norm. Um, and I do like to challenge the narratives. And I think Detroit and Houston are two teams that are, that are looking to climb out of the basement and they're doing it in ways that are kind of against what the narrative is, right? Jared Goff was not the guy when he was traded from the Rams and everybody seemed to believe that Detroit felt differently. And then, you know, one thing I think Dan Campbell did that was really unique is he kind of said it, said, I need to see more from my guy. So that's, as I look at it from a fan perspective, I like seeing what I love about the NFL is the con is, is the uh, not continuity. Um, The fact that it does feel like at any given time, there's a team that could climb up and, and be a competitive team. Now, you kind of laid it out that there are a few teams out there right now that just look like they're head and shoulders above. And it's because they've continually built from the front. Now you didn't put the chiefs on there as, as one of your three uh, chiefs fans are always going to speak up in that. Uh, I think the casual fan is always going to believe that Patrick Mahomes has enough in him to, to get that job done. Do you not believe that anymore after what you've seen from the chiefs? Like, Will is, the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes not enough to make them uh, a an elite team every single year? It's an interesting question. We'll figure out. I think they're 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 not executing well right now. No, they are not. They are just Buffalo is right. Whereas yeah, they're here, just they look like trash. Right, they're just not executing well. That that Sunday night football game was the worst game of Patrick Mahomes' career, period. He has never played worse than he did on Sunday night. Dare I say he was outplayed by Zach Wilson in some respects? In some respects, you you could say that. Pat was responsible for three turnovers. Zach was only responsible for one. And, yeah. You know, I whatever it, we actually finally saw the ability that Zach Wilson has to be an NFL quarterback, and I think that more than anything should breathe a sigh of relief into Jets fans, but also just finally maybe we can stop talking about how, you know, him being trash and but also get the update, but I will say this. 
There's like a larger sample size of him being trash Brian. There is. And there I, is. I, against much worse defenses. So what does that say about Kansas City's defense? Uh well, so this is where the, the technical side of it always comes in every every week. Cause I think the way that Zach will Zach Wilson can beat a defense is with those back shoulder fade routes where you get solo coverage on, you know, whoever it is that you're out there with, you know, cover one single high coverage, whatever it is that, however, whatever verbiage we're using for it, right. You know, however you want to describe it. And so his evolution as a quarterback is, is beating a, a variety is, is developing in terms of the, the ways that we don't already know that he can do it. So can you, I think Collinsworth hit this one on the head. Can you hit the read in under two and a half seconds and get through your progressions faster? The other thing too is like, I mean, their offensive line is just miserable. Putrid was the word that I I feel like at watching him, especially in the first second quarters there. And and once they started to move the balls and the Chiefs couldn't just pin their ears back and blitz the heck out of them. Uh <laughs> We'll say this, watching this game, it almost felt like Roger Goodell called down and it was just like, hey, we got to make this even. We can't have a blowout. Uh, and, and that's how it felt kind of watching it. Like if if you really were a believer in the script writers, they timed it perfectly for, for the comeback, so to speak. Um, Man, just to get back to your question, because I've really rambled away from this, I don't think it changes it, right? Because as a casual fan... And, and I'm I'm assuming that you're talking to a fan that doesn't have an allegiance to a team specifically. So like somebody like me, where I'm just there to watch good football, right? Or creative football? Yes. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm all in on this season, man. What are the Dolphins going to do? Are they going to keep up this charade? You know, is is this cheap motion that they're running gonna gonna keep revolutionizing the league, so to speak, or is it just you know the the wrinkle, the flavor of the week? Wrinkle for that. I, I think that's really curious. I like look, look, Dallas <clears throat> having great teams in front of you is not necessarily a bad team if you're in that tier below because it gives you motivation of where you need to get to. Now, how much of that can come internally in terms of team development and chemistry and all that kind of stuff? That's the really tricky question. And I think as a casual fan, if I'm tuning in every single week, I love that. Is Dallas really good enough to be a contender? Because that defense looks nasty, man. And Micah Parsons, when he's healthy, he's nasty, man. And there's a few dudes out there defensively that are nasty, man. Like Miles Garrett. Yeah, I know that Cleveland's a hot garbage fire. He's got I, some serious injury problems now though. Yeah. And 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 the offense and, and all that other stuff. And you can say whatever you want about Nick Chubb having you know, positive injury news. It doesn't matter. Like they had bigger problems than that. Deshaun Watson just I don't know I don't know what's happened over the last couple of years other than the fact that he just hasn't played at all. But he looks lost. He does not look like that guy who who knew how to play quarterback and um you know the commanders like they gave Philly everything they could handle, and I like what I'm seeing from Sam Howell. Uh, I we talked about it at the beginning of the season, and I asked you if losing uh, Eric Bieniemy was going to hurt the Chiefs at all, and you said no, and I don't disagree with you, but we are seeing that the Chiefs are not executing at the level that they're used to. Now, I think as long as you've got the uh, the creator in charge, Mister Nuggies himself. 
Andy Reid. I don't ever want to doubt that franchise and that team, right? But seeing what Bienemy is starting to do with Washington, yeah, I'm in for that. You know, especially now that Dan Snyder's gone, I can feel good about you know, paying attention to that franchise. So uh, watching Max Crosby suffer for the Raiders, I mean, that's that's a tough thing. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they're just not giving him anything else to work with. But now all of a sudden the Chargers seem to have flipped the switch. And I guess here's my question for oh, you. Okay, please stop with the Chargers stuff. The Chargers are on their way to like one of the more painful nine and seven seasons in history. Do not that's disagree. How, that, Do not that's disagree. how this goes. When you choose games to watch, what are the factors that you choose? Ooh. Well, I'm a quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. So, so I pick quarterbacks. And right now, the guys that are performing at a high level like here, like this week, if I had to pick out the games I'm most interested in, I'd say Jags Bills becomes an interesting one because Trevor Lawrence has kind of looked like he's taken a little bit of a step back this year, but also their their offense just hasn't clicked yet. I'm interested to see what the Jaguars can be. So Jaguars Bills, that that piques my interest. I'm also interested by um young guys so the Stroud stuff while I'm not quite as hyped as everyone else is he is an intriguing player to watch so Texans Falcons has some intrigue and you know you kind of got to start thinking for the Falcons you got to go to Taylor Heineke at some point because Desmond Ritter is just not it he's not a very good NFL quarterback and you're holding the team back because it is a very talented defense and a very talented running game and if you just put a good game manager who wouldn't turn the ball over in there you feel like they'd have some more success so I'm interested in that and the other quarterbacks who are playing at high levels two names I'm gonna throw at you one Jared Goff Mm -hmm. because he is just playing at a very high level right now incredibly confident Two there on by this week, but Geno Smith. Geno has looked very, very, very good. Uh, except for week one where uh, he sputtered. Except for one weird week one game. And then the Rams. I'm very interested in the Rams. I think we all owe Sean McVay a huge apology. He is just a very good coach. He has found a way to turn Puka Nakua into a legitimately difference-making NFL wide receiver, which I didn't think he had the capability of being. And he is what is driving that offense right now. And the other guy that, man, I just, I hope he can stay healthy because when he is, he's so good. Matthew Stafford has had a little bit of an up and down year, but Matthew Stafford has been really fun to watch the past few weeks. And then the Cowboys are an interesting, you know, an interesting watch as well. Because I thought Dak, Dak was dealing in the first half of that game against the Patriots. Like, that's maybe the best half of football I've seen a quarterback play this year. But then he holds on to the ball too long, makes some questionable decisions in the backfield, takes some bad sacks in the second half. And the consistency is just not there from him. So I, I think those are all things that I'm interested in to ramble a little bit as we uh, close out because I, I think we've 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 covered what I want to cover for today. Yeah, man. Uh, I, 
I'm with you 100%. And I'd also throw like watching Justin Herbert right now, and and I know that that's a oh yeah, yeah. he he's playing really well on a what you just you you nailed it. Like this is what's destined to be a nine and seven football team, and you're watching him just like, good lord. Yeah, and that's he's, effort he's putting in to try and win games right now. Yeah, he's gonna put up some insane numbers. So, and the the guy who also is gonna put up some insane numbers is Keenan Allen if he stays healthy, um, because he is playing out of his mind. All right, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Great conversation. Always appreciate being here on uh, Blogger and the Bear and getting into the weeds or the, or the witches, the water witches. I will. I'll come back with a report next week. Until then, we will see you next time. Peace out.